This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here. I'm uh, actually recording the show from Paris, France. I'm here for uh, a big launch event uh, for a new uh, Huawei smartphone, the P30 Pro. We'll be talking about that in a bit more uh, shortly uh, in, in the... Uh, uh, I guess the portable studio we have here. I've uh, got my good friend John Beeler. He's part of the Get Connected team. Thanks uh, for joining. I'm happy to be here. Uh, before we get to all the Huawei stuff uh, with yourself and uh, one of our other uh, good tech friends, Ted Crisonos, uh, I want to talk about some of the tech news uh, this week. And I think the big story here is uh, Apple. They had the big uh, announcement uh, earlier uh, in the week about a bunch of new services, uh, everything from a new Apple TV Plus app a news app, uh, arcade app, and a new Apple credit card uh, as well. Uh, pretty big news, though. Lots of things, yeah, all at once, all happening while, while we're in Paris. Uh, so let's start off uh, with the new Apple TV Plus uh, app. And uh, this is uh, a shot across the bow of uh, the other streaming services out there, like Netflix. Uh, Apple is launching a, a pay uh, TV service, uh, streaming service. They've made their own content. They've got big names like Oprah, Steven Spielberg, Jennifer Aniston. I don't know how they threw that in there uh, as well. Uh, but it's uh, it's fascinating. Like the the big behemoth right now is Netflix, right? Uh, they're investing billions and billions of dollars in original content, uh, and Apple is trying to compete uh, with them. Thoughts? Well. Th- the thing for me with streaming services is always about, is there any content there for me? You know, is, you know, is Jennifer Aniston a draw for me? Maybe not, but maybe something Spielberg is doing, you know, so it's really going to depend on what they're going to offer and how it might be different than what I can get somewhere else, as well as any old content as well. Um, that you would, you know, as it falls off of Netflix or goes somewhere else, what are, what's Apple going to have for that kind of stuff? Or is that going to be all pure stuff that they've done themselves? So they have the full rights to so from what I've understand, uh, understood so far, uh, they will be producing their own content uh, like Netflix, uh, but they'll also be uh, offering other uh, streaming pay services as well. Down in the States, that would be things like HBO, Showtime. Uh, up here, uh, it would be Crave TV. Uh, I believe uh, other uh, streaming services like Amazon will have their content integrated into this uh, new app. So it's almost like your new cable package. Absolutely. Um and again, the problem with, with most streaming services is how many do you want to subscribe to? You know, uh, how much are you paying a month for that thing? Just like when we have our cable packages, you pick in, you know, the theme packs or you know, if you want sports or news or whatever like that. Now you're going to be choosing, I want Apple, I want uh, Hulu or Amazon or whatever, um, pulling them all together assuming that they're going to have the content that you want. And so I'm also wondering if there's going to be bundles and packages that, so you're not paying all these disparate fees. You're just paying one fee for uh, all of it. Yeah, I guess uh, Apple's trying to make it simple here, uh, having all of that content to one app. Uh, and then, you know, some people are going, well, I don't have any Apple devices. Well, don't worry, because they're building it into everything. Uh, this app will be available, obviously, uh, through their devices, uh, whether you have a MacBook, uh, iPhone, uh, or an iPad. But they've also made deals with all the big TV manufacturers. Samsung, Sony, Vizio, LG uh, will have, uh, in all the new TVs, the Apple TV Plus app. It's nice to see that walled garden slowly uh, collapsing. And the things that you want... Uh, from Apple on other things that you like that aren't Apple. So it's nice to see some changing in, in that space. 
Uh, I mean, that was just one of the announcements. Let's go to the next one, uh, the Apple News Plus uh, app. And this is interesting because this is built off uh, an app that was owned uh, partly by Rogers called Texture. Uh, It's a monthly subscription to a number of different uh, magazines and newspapers. Yeah, I was actually surprised when Apple bought Texture. And I was like, what are they going to do with this? And and clearly, you know, this announcement answered that question. Um, And it just really depends on how you like to consume your content. Um, And also... What's is Apple supplementing texture, or is it going to be just texture rebranded? So I'm I'm curious to see the types of content there because honestly I didn't really find a lot that I wanted on texture, so I never subscribed to it. Um, but I'm also not a magazine person as well. I, I typically live online. So, uh, but definitely for on the go when you're f- flying to Paris, it's great to have all that stuff to read. Yeah, I mean some of the magazines. I mean it's the big magazines: Time Magazine, yeah. Wired, uh, Oprah. Uh, you name the magazine, it's probably in that uh, that newsstand, so to speak. Uh, Toronto Star is going to be available uh, as well, and this is for one fee. You get to read as much as you want. Uh, so for in Canada, twelve ninety nine a month. Uh, you get access to this. And I believe that's a family subscription as well. Yeah, up to six, uh, six different users can use that. So I wonder how many people are going to be sharing a subscription with their friends. Uh, but I'm excited. Uh, I, I love those, uh, those uh, you know, being able to have those magazines. And that's cheaper than, you know, if you were to buy a couple of magazines on your own. Yeah, definitely buying a couple at the airport, for example. Uh, you, you pay for your subscription right there. Uh, also, uh, Apple Arcade. This is a new subscription service, a monthly fee. And uh, Apple's made deals with a bunch of different uh, uh, developers uh, to give you access to dozens, if not hundreds of games, I guess, eventually, uh, for one fee a month. Yeah, it's, it's the all-you-can-eat. Uh, f- thing. Um, it will be really interesting to see how many uh, quality top tier games are going to be there because they haven't really, I mean, they've announced some of their partners, but they haven't announced specifically some of these launch games. And definitely mobile gaming is huge right now. And having one, one way to get it all in one place is great. But also, can you play these games offline? You know, can you use this service when you're on the plane? Uh, that type of thing. There's still a lot more questions that we have about the service and how it's going to um, uh, be delivered. Well, it's interesting. Obviously, Apple recognizes that, uh, like you said, mobile gaming is huge. Uh, they're going up against uh, the big guys like the Sonys uh, and the Microsofts of the world with the Xbox, uh, obviously, uh, even Steam on the, the mm-hmm. PC. Uh, can they make a dent? I think so because they've got such a captive audience uh, with all the iPhone uh, and iPad users out there. Yeah, having that icon on the home screen is going to be uh, an instant leap ahead of some of the com- competitors. I wonder how uh, you know if they'll integrate something like that into uh, the uh, Apple TV uh, box as well. I hope so because that was sort of the undelivered promise with the Apple TV is that you could use it as a gaming console and especially with a streaming system, uh, it makes perfect sense. Uh, finally, uh, quickly, let's talk about the Apple credit card. This is weird. This is uh, uh, an interesting foray into more financial services. Uh, they came out with the Apple Wallet uh, with Apple Pay. Uh, now they're taking it a step further. They have their own Apple credit card in uh, partnership with MasterCard and Goldman Sachs down in the U.S. We have no uh, idea if this will ever come to Canada, uh, if, if so, when, uh, what the uh, parameters will be for that. But for down in the U.S., uh, this is available in a physical card, like a titanium card. It doesn't have a number or anything on it, which is uh, kind of uh, uh, interesting, uh, but also will be part of your Apple wallet. Right. And the, kind of the interesting thing about the card itself is that it's this exclusive card, and they haven't really shared like what kind of credit score do you need to get it? 
No, but they they have promised it's going to have uh, much lower interest rates than most of the credit cards out there. There's no sign-up fee. There's no annual fee. There's no late fees. There's no international uh, charge fees as well, which is something we're dealing with right now. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm interested to see if uh, this is going to make credit cards more competitive. I hope so. I mean, Apple's been really good at disrupting so many other places, and uh, definitely the credit card industry could use some disruption, and I just hope it comes to Canada. We're talking with John Beeler, part of uh, our Get Connected team. We're both here in Paris uh, for the big Huawei launch event of the Huawei P30 Pro, and we will be talking all about it after the next break. This is a new smartphone with a camera that has up to 50 times digital zoom in incredible night mode uh, and so much more. We'll give you all the deets uh, if you hang on. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by our friends over at London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. We're back with Get Connected and Mike Agarbo here, and I've got a few guests with me uh, this week. Uh, we're doing the show from Paris, France. Uh, we uh, are out here for a uh, Huawei launch event. These guys continue to uh, surprise me with uh, you know the tech that they're coming out with, especially in their smartphones. I've got uh, John Beeler, part of the Get Connected team, and uh, respected tech journalist Ted Kritsonos uh, from Toronto, writer for many different publications, including Digital Trends and uh, Mobile Syrup. Thanks for coming in, Ted. Pleased to be with you, Mike. Thanks, uh, John, for joining us as well. Happy to be here. Uh, let's uh, talk about uh, the new Huawei phone they've just launched. It's called the Huawei P30 Pro. Uh, Ted, uh, you know, we were at the event last year when they launched the P, uh, the Mate 20 Pro. Uh, this right, is kind yeah. of the latest one. Uh, what amazed me about the previous one was the cameras, and they've taken it to another level here. Yeah, so this is basically, the P30 Pro is kind of an iterative uh, jump up from the P20 Pro and the Mate 20 Pro. So it's kind of like what Samsung does with the S and Note lines, uh, but they've upped the ante a little bit more here, it seems, uh, adding a five times optical zoom, which works, uh, as I think we've seen here as we've been shooting uh, throughout the city. And uh, also, I just think that they've they've added some usability features that I think make sense. And you know, we can go into some of those as we uh, you know as we talk about it here. So the big story uh, for me on this one was the uh, the camera. You talked about the five times optical zoom, uh, which goes up to fifty times in, in a digital. That's pure zoom. digital, though. Yeah. Yes, but still kind of cool. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I mean, it's funny. We were talking about this earlier and I'm not a fan personally of the 50 times zoom. I, I Well, you're you're a real photographer. Yeah, it, it just because at that you know, when you're going digital that far, you're you're going to get a lot of degradation in the shot. So if people are expecting a shot they can frame uh going that far, it's not going to happen. I actually I actually found it more useful for trying to see something. Uh, there was a, there was one point where <laughs> it's, I thought it's like the new telescope feature. Well, where, well you remember we were in Versailles, and I thought, hey, is that the Eiffel Tower, like in the background, all the way? And I used the fifty times zoom to identify whether it was or not. It wasn't, um, but yeah, that was one way that I could use it. But you know, for shooting photos or video with it, you do need a tripod or a flat surface. It is very, very difficult to keep your your, your hands steady in that mode. So it has the five times optical zoom, which is which you get great quality. Yeah, yeah, because that's all glass. How far up 
did you think you could go into the digital Zoom that still gave you a half decent? You know, quality? ten times Zoom wasn't bad, and that's a hybrid. So that's a that's a mix of the glass and digital. It actually was better than I thought it would be. I, I didn't have high hopes for it, but it was better. So I think I could go that high if I really needed to get closer to a subject. Uh, but beyond that, I think there's just a little too much degradation. That's just for me. Well, it was interesting. We took some pictures of the Eiffel Tower from pretty far away. Uh, and, and John, you got in so close, you could see writing on the Eiffel Tower. I didn't know there was writing on the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, and, and there's all these little bits and pieces that you wouldn't normally see. Is it a great photo? Probably not, like Ted said. I mean, it's just so degraded. But like the telescope mode, it lets you see stuff that you didn't even know was there. And I thought that was kind of neat. And we've used it a number of times just for that purpose um, as we're exploring. When, again, we were in Versailles and we were at the top of the palace looking down over the gardens and then the lake at the distance. And we couldn't even quite tell what was in the lake, if it was you know, a sculpture or if it was people. And we were able to use that zoom to discover that it actually is people and robots that they were renting. So uh, the zoom lens is one thing. To me, that was just amazing that you could actually squeeze that in a camera or in a smartphone that thin. Uh, it had a few other lenses as well. Uh, it had the wide-angle lens, which was kind of the... The, the ultra-wide, actually. Yeah, yeah. And, and the ultra-wide lens. So yeah. uh, explain how the ultra-wide works. So what, the, what are you going to get with yeah, that? Yeah, so the ultra-wide is the opposite of zooming. You're basically go, you're, you're going further back. Well, it's you're, you're actually not moving physically, but you are going further back. You're squeezing more into the frame. And, you know, I have to say, in a palace like Versailles, it is extremely useful to have a lens like that because you have artwork on the ceilings, you have artwork, you know, you have all kinds of stuff that is in each room, and to squeeze it all into one frame on the regular lens is not going to happen. So that's where that a lens like that I found to be really useful. Of course, it's always useful in a landscape setting too, but I think when you're indoors and you have a lot that you're trying to squeeze into a frame, that's where a lens like that I think is truly, truly valuable. And the best part is, is that you can use that lens in just about any mode the camera offers. You know, so whether you're shooting in, you know, night mode or you're shooting in photo or pro, uh, whatever it is, you can still use that lens, which I think is is great. Uh, yeah, it is quite interesting. And I mean, there's a, a number of other uh, effects uh, as well. Uh, you know, they showed off at the uh, event. Uh, we haven't tried this yet. The uh, the water shimmer mode. Uh, John, can you explain that? <laughs> <laughs> well, the water shimmer mode is basically the, the mode where... Uh, it tries to emulate what you would do with a digital SLR, uh, where you're actually taking a long exposure of, say, a waterfall or something like that, and it makes it nice and smooth and um, smooths out all the sort of splashy bits of the waterfall, if you will. Um, and we've tried it a little bit, and we haven't had that much success with it, um, because you really do need a tripod to do it proper justice. Um, and also, there is some uh, debate or... Uh, whether or not it's actually fully implemented in the versions of the phones that we have. Uh, th th we've been told there's going to be a software update that's going to add some of the functionality that they showed that we don't quite have yet. Well, Ted, you're a, an avid photographer. I see you sure. around with... Uh, what uh, camera do you are you carrying now? Like an actual camera? Yeah. Uh, the Sony a7 III. Uh, can, for, for most people out there, um, do you think this could replace uh, you know their point-and-shoots? It's interesting because I think photography, I find, is very subjective as far as the the, the eye of the beholder. Yeah. You know, what they consider to be a good photo. Uh, I think if you're more of a stickler for for photography and, you know, you're, you're, you're really, you, you really are uh, critical uh, of what uh, could be a good shot. Um, yeah, I don't know that 
it'll I don't think it'll match a DSLR in my opinion. I just think when you have bigger glass and bigger image sensors, you're going to get better photos generally. But but the thing is, the, the nice thing about this advance is that it's the phone you have in your pocket all the time. Yeah. So even if you're not out on a photo walk like we've been doing uh, in Paris here, you still have a good phone to get those great shots in the restaurant with your friends and family um, that you can just capture stuff that maybe a last generation phone wouldn't quite get do 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 it justice. Yeah, I just want to add to that. I I, I agree with John. I think you you have a device that is capable of shooting amazing photos. I mean, you you may not be able to match the physical, you know, uh, you may be limited physically in what uh, the camera has, but you're able to shoot really, really well. This is an outstanding camera for the, you know, for the most part. So it's not like you can get amazing shots uh, when using it. Uh, That's why I always, I always advocate with especially deep camera software like this is, that people try to dig into it and learn how to use some of the different modes and features. And when, you, when you're saying that, you're saying the manual mode. Yeah, pro mode, I'm always, I've always been a big fan of. I mean, I use it on any camera that offers it, uh, and it is excellent because, as I'm sure you know, you guys saw, there were some instances, especially in Versailles, where it was hard to get a lot of detail in a shot because it was all washed out, like the sun was shining, the time of day matters, of course, too. Pro mode, you know, you control the shutter speed, control the ISO. You're you're basically controlling the sensitivity to light, like a like a DSLR. Yes, and and as a result, you can end up getting a shot with a little more detail and contrast. So yeah, there's a lot in there. I, I do wonder though why Huawei would make HDR a separate mode. Like why not just make it something that you can toggle on or off to apply to the different modes you're shooting with? But you know, they they did what they did. We're talking with uh, our good friend Ted Crizzono. So we've got John Beeler from the Get Connected team here as well. We're in Paris uh, this week doing the show. Uh, we've just uh, checked out the Huawei launch event. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about uh, night mode and also uh, doing video with this new smartphone. There's some really cool features with that. And the the, the night mode uh, and, and shooting in low light, this is the most amazing camera on a smartphone that I've seen yet. You're listening to Get Connected here in the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here. I'm doing the show from Paris this week. Uh, we're talking with a few uh, friends that have joined me. John Beeler from the Get Connected team and Ted Kratzonos. Uh, he's a respected uh, technology writer out of Toronto. I want to continue on the chat here. Uh, we're talking about the Huawei P30 Pro smartphone uh, again uh, we talked about the camera lenses uh, on here let's talk about night mode and this is something that i think people really should pay attention to when they are looking into uh, getting a new smartphone uh, how well it takes pictures in the dark when i say dark it's not like pitch black uh, places but you know you're out at a restaurant uh, or outside and you want to get a decent picture without the flash blowing out everything uh, ted thoughts on the night mode on this new camera on uh, the p30 pro it's one of the best available on a phone so it's up there rivaling google's uh night sight mode uh the difference in this case that i've always liked with huawei when they first introduced it is they allow you to at least control it to some degree so with google when you shoot with night sight it's just taking the photo with you and you're you're accepting the result one way or the other uh with the night mode here in the p30 pro you have a mode where you can actually stop it 
as it's shooting the photo. So it doesn't fully expose it as, you know, doesn't, where you don't need it to. You can even set the ISO and even the shutter speed before you shoot as well. So there's a lot of flexibility in how you shoot with it. Now, you mentioned shooting in pitch black. You actually can with that mode. Uh, it could be totally dark. And if you leave, if you use that mode, it will actually illuminate. This. I don't know how good it's going to look, but it will be able to illuminate the subject, even in a really dark scene. Well, we were, we were walking around the Louvre at, at night and we were in the big courtyard on the back side of it. And, you know, for my eyes, uh, in person, I couldn't see Mike. He was a, sh- a shadowy figure off in the distance. <laughs> and I took his picture. And I cannot believe the detail that I got of the buildings around, um, and and even Mike. I mean, it was it was like he was just it was like an, a, almost a daytime shot. Uh, Ted, Ted, I look better in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Walking around as a silhouette. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I saw the picture after, and it's the most amazing thing I've seen. Yeah. Well, and and we've done this repeatedly now. We're you know we're in a dark Paris alley or whatever, and we're getting these really dramatic shots that look really cool. Um, but like Ted said, you can massage it. So I still want to play with it a bit more because I'm, I'm thinking I'm letting it sort of do all the work. Um, it's got this artificial intelligence processing that it sort of does after you take the picture and it has to stabilize and all that kind of stuff. And playing with that, turning it off early, like Ted said, making some adjustments, you can get some really interesting things that normally would on, I think most smartphones would just be a black shot. And one thing we should mention, too, is that the ISO goes really, really high uh, on, on this phone to a ridiculous level. High. Like, it's 409,000 ISO. Like, that's just a... So, a, just so, so for listeners out there, it's over 400,000 ISO. Uh, give some perspective. Like, what do normal cameras have? I mean, you know, typically you might go up to a 102, 102,000. Um, a, a camera might offer something like that. But to go up to 400,000 is... is Forget on a phone, like even on a mirrorless or DSLR. That's an that's an unheard of number. It's like night vision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's very very unusual to have. And now, are you going to need to go that high? Most often, no. You're not going to need to, but it is there, and that's typically where you pro- you might go that high if you're in a pitch black scene because yeah. ISO essentially is sensitivity to light. So that's that's what that mo- that's what that feature is. And the higher you go, the more sensitive it is to any light source that it can find. Well, I mean, there are some caveats in, in doing night mode, obviously. Um, there's kind of the noise in the picture. Oh, absolutely. How, how dark it is. Um, but also, you got to have a steady steady hand as well. Like, I mean, they showed some shots off uh, at the event of capturing, you know, stars in the sky in the Milky Way, comparing it to, uh, you know, the iPhone and the Samsung. That, you got to do that with the tripod. Yeah. Yeah. And you know we and keep a saying self timer probably absolutely yeah uh, and so we keep saying well you need a tripod but that's kind of funny like this camera is so good that it can be you know that good that you can take those fantastic pictures that you'd need a tripod yeah absolutely so for shots like that where you have a really dark scene uh, I always say even with a mode like this where it's a, it's designed to work handheld you should use a tripod or a flat surface and yes even a timer I use that too yeah. if I'm shooting a long exposure on a camera, I'm going to do the same thing. Like what, you know, when we had the, so just a quick example, like the blood moon that we had uh, in certain parts of Canada a couple months ago, that was an example of something you needed to shoot with a tripod and, and a timer. So it's the same paradigm in this case as well. Yeah. And you'd want a timer because basically 
you pressing the shutter button is what actually is going to cause the most vibrations in the shot. That's going to sort of ruin it. Um, by doing the self timer, you're not touching it. It's, it's had a time to settle. Um, you want to make sure you're not walking around the tripod or whatever you've, you've placed it on and even making sure your breathing is more controlled because sometimes your breath can actually, uh, move it just enough to wreck the shot. Let's talk about the video mode now because uh, we're video guys. Uh, we take lots of video, obviously, for our, our TV show and our online uh, video content. Uh, John, uh, it, I, it was spooky how stable this camera was as well. <laughs> it's it's so funny because we shot some stuff at the Eiffel Tower, at the Louvre, um, and I purposely framed the shot so that those iconic landmarks were at, near the top of the frame. And they don't move at all. People are walking around behind us, uh, and it looks like I'm using a tripod because it's so steady. But on the other hand, though, we being in a in a cab going through the bumpy cobblestone streets of Paris, and the outside world is completely steady, and you can see how bouncy the cab actually is in the foreground, the seats and everything like that. Um, it, it's pretty amazing, though, that it's able to keep up. Uh, we did try to push a little bit, though, by attaching the P30 Pro to our scooters that we've been uh, in love with here in Paris. And um, it's just a little too bumpy with uh, the static mount. So, um, But fantastic. Um, the, even just walking around, walking through big open archways at the Louvre, for example, and having uh, you know this Steadicam-like shot. Um, you know, I'm just holding it with my hand and walking with my feet. So again, this is kind of the the first look at uh, this particular uh, phone and uh, the the video camera on it as well. Uh, again, we're talking with uh, about the Huawei P30 Pro. Uh, what were some of the the downsides for you? Obviously, the stabilization amazing. You can zoom in with this thing, uh, but you were saying, uh, you know, in a conversation we had earlier, uh, doing any type of panning had a, a kind of a weird effect. Yeah, and this has been pretty universal with with everyone that's been playing with the phone. Is that the second you sort of move off access, um, the the processing that happens to stabilize it um, overcompensates and kicks in, and then it kicks out. So it it adds like this. It's not jelly vision. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, no, it's it, it's um. So I would describe it as almost, almost like a soap opera effect. Uh, where basically the, the frame rate almost changes, you know, as you're panning. Yeah. Um, so you have, if I, you know, for lack of a better term, you have basically you're shooting video, you're walking, and the image looks somewhat soft, but then as you pan around, suddenly the frame rate goes up and you have this like quicker, it's hard to describe, but I think people would know visually immediately what we're talking about. It just feels uh, off. It, it does feel off. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, is that because we're video nerds? Like, I mean, we're pretty. No, cool. people would notice it. People would notice it 100%. And th this is why I think that the stabilization Huawei put in there should have been elective. It should have been something that you would. But that's you, something they can add. Yes, they could do that with a software update to make it so that you can turn it on or off if you please. But right now it works natively. It's just working no matter yeah. what video you're shooting. And no matter what lens you're using, you too, I think, even. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's the thing is, it is really good. You know, don't, don't get us wrong, but you don't want to do any quick moves. So you're not going to like be zooming around with your hands, uh, cause you're going to get some kind of crazy, um, uh, effect that's going to happen. I'm even just walking around, um, uh, the Louvre again and just turning around to sort of capture the whole scene that can even induce that, that effect. And, um, it, it, it is subtle, and I, I think Mike's point, maybe we're just overthinking it or overanalyzing it. Um, but when you look at it on a computer or, you know, on, on a bigger screen, it's only going to be more amplified, too. 
but overall, still pretty darn good compared to a lot of the other cameras out there. It's, it's, oh, the, yeah, it's the best I've ever played with for, for the type of things that we do with it. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, all in all, the camera is among the deepest and most, and just, and best there is on a phone. There are just so many features that are available. Sony most, we didn't even talk about the time of flight sensor. The TOF sensor, which is yeah, explain, to, explain to yeah. So the, the TOF sensor basically shoots out a laser that uh, measures the distance between the camera and the subject that you're shooting. Uh, so that way, it can create a greater bokeh effect, a depth of field, like a blur behind the subject. So by doing that, it improves what we've typically seen in portrait modes and stuff like that, where you know, oftentimes strands of hair and other little details uh, get lost when it's trying to create that depth. T- TOF, the, uh, it, that sensor is supposed to improve that exponentially. Uh, now, we, it, it's not fully there yet, it seems, on the phone. Um, I don't know that actually that they've even uh, unlocked it, so to speak, on the device, but, you know, a couple of the portrait shots we took look pretty good. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really great. I mean, I, I do wish we had a little bit more control over some of the yeah, things about it. Sure. Um, but that's just also playing with the camera and we're getting used to it. You know, we've only had it for a very short period of time too. But, um, you know, just being able to take out those, uh, all the tourists that were around us, we're trying to take our shots. Um, it has been very helpful for that because you get the nice softness, but almost too soft in some places because we lose the Eiffel Tower in the background. Uh, I mean, we've talked all about the cameras here. This is a pretty powerful phone. Uh, it's got the fingerprint scanner, uh, again, built into the screen. Uh, and, yeah, I think you can make phone calls on it. You can make phone calls. <laughs> you can. And you can surf the Internet. Uh, and very fast. Yeah. Very, very yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with uh, John Beeler from the Get Connected team and our good friend Ted Kritsonos, tech journalist uh, out of Toronto, all about the new Huawei P30 Pro phone. Uh, Ted, I want to thank you for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me. When we come back from the break, I'm going to continue on with John. I want to talk about uh, one of our adventures uh, while we're here in Paris, uh, technology-related and app-related as well, uh, scooters. This has changed my life, John, uh, <laughs> and we'll explain uh, how these things are really transforming the way we get around cities, and you know, hopefully we might see these in some Canadian cities soon as well. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We're uh, doing the show from Paris. Uh, this is uh, kind of fun. Uh, at the big Huawei uh, P30 Pro launch event. Uh, that phone, uh, I think, available uh, to get now in the $1,000 price range, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. For what you get, yeah, especially compared to some of his competitors. Yeah, because everything in that kind of range is like... Thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars now. Yeah. Uh, when you compare it to the iPhones and the Samsungs, uh, one thing I want to talk about, John, is our scooter adventure. And I never want to walk again. So when I'm talking scooters, uh, these are you know the things you know back from the '30s. You know these little stand-up little scooters with the, the handles that you could use uh, foot power to travel around on. Well, they have electric ones. Uh, they have had these out for a few years now. Uh, but now it's all about uh, kind of the uh, availability to rent scooters uh, by the minute or by the hour, you know, by unlocking them with an app. So uh, we tried this out on our first day when we were exploring Paris. These scooters were everywhere, like literally on uh, sidewalks, in parks. Uh, and what you basically do is have to set up an account. We used Lime scooters, kind of like the uh, the fruit. Uh, and once you set up the account, put your credit card in, you got to buy a prepaid amount, uh, say like 10 euros or 20 euros. Oh, I didn't have to do that. I no. used Apple Pay. I did too, but don't you have to buy? I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Well, I bought 20 euros worth of scooter rides that i got to <laughs> use up here sometime soon. Uh, but what was 
awesome is uh, you unlock it and then you just scoot around. It's electric and these things are fast. That was what surprised me. You know, we we picked up our first scooters right beside the Louvre and there's a sort of a, a walking trail that goes along the river and there's a lot of people there and we went on the sidewalk, we went on the cobblestones and then we had to get around the people onto sort of the gravel area and these things had no trouble whatsoever keeping up and at full speed which really surprised me again moving and we've seen multiple times we've seen like couples on one scooter yeah no problem at all they're just zooming around it, it was amazing and eventually we got our confidence up and we were like riding the roads and in Paris it's crazy there's no lines on any of the roads here no and and at first, I was like, "Why are we going up a one-way street the wrong way in our scooter?" But then I realized that the bike lanes—that's how they work there. You know, they typically they're the, the wrong way up the thing. So we're driving really fast towards oncoming traffic in a really narrow spot. Um, but we were getting—I don't want to say we were getting cocky, but we were getting pretty confident about our abilities to get around the city. And it, it's actually so great because when you use the app. It'll show you where there's a nearby one. There's been a few times we want to get two, and maybe one is is only the you know really close to us. Um, but they are available kind of everywhere, almost like litter, you know, which is the good and the bad thing about their their availability. Uh, yeah, and that's a problem that a lot of cities are having. These things basically are just left everywhere. I mean, they're on the kickstand, but uh, you know, good in one way, you can find one no matter where you are, and you can actually track them down through the app because they're all GPS enabled. But uh, a lot of cities are having problems because these things are just kind of clogging up alleys and sidewalks and uh, what have you. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to go back to uh, Graham, who's in Vancouver, and he's got uh, an Amazon skill of the week for us. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. We're going to uh, go back to Vancouver. We've got Graham Williams in studio there, and he's got our, uh, our skill of the week for Amazon Echo device owners that have the Alexa voice assistant. What do you got? Uh, this week I've got Work Smart, Live Smart, which is uh, it's an interesting little skill that actually connects you up with a podcast with the same name. So you can add this into your flash briefing. Uh, have you used the flash briefing feature? Uh, you know what? I keep wanting to, but explain to the listeners how that all works again. So your flash briefing feature, you can actually select a number of news sources. So I, I have quite a few in mind. And basically every morning you can say, what's my flash briefing? And it will go through the list of all the latest updated content from all of those news sources. Now, if there hasn't been any new content, it won't repeat old content. It'll just give you the new stuff. So it's a sort of a nice way. I actually got an Echo Dot in my bathroom. So when I'm getting up, brushing my teeth, that sort of thing, I can listen to all this uh, as, as, it, as, as it happens. Um, so with Work Smart, Live Smart, uh, it's actually a podcast that's sort of focused on more work-life balance. And I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with. And so this is a podcast that teaches you how to take these small steps towards a happier, healthier, less stressed you. Uh, it's actually a very decent little podcast. You can add the podcast itself through a number of different sources, but having it as part of your flash briefing, it makes it nice and quick. It's five minutes and uh, gives you some really decent content on the go. Very, very cool. Well, uh, Grandma, I want to thank you uh, for that uh, skill of the week. Tell our, our listeners uh, where they can get the podcast. Our podcast, For Get Connected, is available on Apple Podcasts. It's available on Google Play Music, and it's available on Spotify. You can stream or download, and if you like us, we'd love it if you would give us a review. The great news is, if you'd like a little bit more of us, you can also find our sister show, The App Show, available in the same place. 
That's all the time we have left uh, for our program. And again, uh, don't forget to listen to our sister show, The App Show, every Sunday here on CKW 980 here in Vancouver and across the Chorus Radio Network. It starts at 10 a.m. Vancouver time, goes to 11, and we talk about all the latest and greatest uh, apps that are out there for your smartphones and uh, tablets. Also things like Facebook tips, uh, you name it, we talk about it. This is uh, Mike and Graham uh, signing off. We will see you again next week. You've been listening to a 980-CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980-CKNW.